Hey everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast, where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about the 2016 presidential election with Tom Carsey, the director of the Odom Institute for Research and Social Science and the Parizal Distinguished Professor of Political Science. After months of campaigning, the 2016 elections are finally over and Donald Trump has been elected the 45th president of the United States. Do these election results surprise you at all? It does. I think all of the polling data, all of the forecasts showed a close election, but a pretty solid win in the Electoral College for Hillary Clinton. So yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised last night about uh, Wisconsin, about how close it was in Michigan and Pennsylvania, states that we really did not think were going to be the turning points for this election turned out to be the turning points for this election. As you said, these swing states were really close. So what do you think made them swing towards Trump instead of Hillary? Well, it's just a little bit at the margins, it looks like. She did not do quite as well with African-American voters as Obama had. She did not do quite as well with Hispanic voters as Obama had. Of course, Hispanic voters are not a big part of the population in Wisconsin or Michigan. She also did not do quite as well as Obama did with white voters. Add that to a little bit more mobilization in some areas of uh, working class white voters in favor of Trump and a gender gap that actually was not as large as it was in 2012. Each of those little things adds up to a couple of percentage points and that's enough to move a state. A lot of the polls showed Hillary Clinton with a strong lead heading into the election, but come election night, that all changed. What was the reason for that change? Well, uh, pollsters have been surprised before. Uh, What I don't know is whether the existing polling data was off because it misunderstood preferences, that there were more Trump supporters out there than the polls got in terms of who they interviewed, or if the polls underestimated turnout among whites or overestimated turnout among minority voters. And so either way, right, if they got the turnout part of the equation wrong, or if they underestimated support for Trump, either one of those is enough for those polls to be off. And again, they weren't wildly off. It wasn't like they were wrong by 10 or 15 points. But when you're talking about life on the margins, a couple of percentage points swings the election. When you're looking at such a close election like this, third parties are going to come into the conversation. Do you think that the third party candidates made a difference in this election? Well, I think in a close election, everything's going to be discussed for quite a while. It's unlikely, uh, at least it's been unlikely in the past, that uh, libertarian candidates have taken more votes from the Democrat than from the Republican. Typically, if there's a third party candidate pulling votes away from the Democrat, it's been the Green Party in the modern era, not the Libertarian Party. So I I think it's unlikely that uh, the Libertarian Party candidates are responsible for the margin that, that Trump was able to win by in some of these states. What were some of the deciding demographics in this election? In terms of demographics, it was really Hillary Clinton just did not quite mobilize the same level of support among the coalition of, of voters that supported Barack Obama. You know, she got 88% of African-American vote, but he got well over 90%. She fell about uh, four or five percentage points lower on the Hispanic vote, even though she won almost two-thirds of the Hispanic vote. Still, she didn't do quite as well as Obama. 
even the gender gap, a couple points smaller for Hillary Clinton in terms of support by women as opposed to what Barack Obama enjoyed. Support among 18 to 29-year-olds, down a little bit for Hillary Clinton compared to Barack Obama, and also a little bit lower turnout in that group compared to Barack Obama. So I don't think you can point to any one of these demographic groups as the sole cause here, but it's just a little bit of an erosion of the coalition that Obama was able to mobilize across all of these fronts. And again, you add a percentage point here, a percentage point there, all of a sudden you've lost three or four or five percentage points. That's enough to flip a state like Wisconsin like we saw last night. And the way that elections work in the United States, that one flip state can make all the difference. That's right. This was not a landslide election. This was an election won right at the margins. There's no mandate in this election. There's no mandate for change or mandate for any particular policy position advocated by Donald Trump. This was a razor-thin victory, but a victory nonetheless. So Donald Trump was able to reach some of the demographics that President Obama had reached in previous elections. So is this the new reality? Are these the new people who will be voting for the Republican Party? Or is this really only a one-time thing? Well, I think what we're seeing, again, I don't have it in the exit polls, but in in the polls leading up to the election, uh, what we were seeing is not a a complete shift, say, white working class voters from the Democratic Party, where they had historically been, to the Republican Party. What we've seen is a continued gradual movement among uh, that demographic. This is the first time, at least in the polls, the pre-election polls, that showed the the Democratic candidate uh, doing slightly better among college-educated whites than the Republican candidate. But it's not like every white person with a college degree voted for the Democrat and every white person with a high school degree voted for the Republican. It's not that stark. Uh, Again, it's just this shift at a margin of a couple of percentage points that, that Trump was able to mobilize. Whether that's something that continues or whether that's a one-time phenomenon as a Trump candidacy remains to be seen. Trump's positions on uh, rolling back uh, trade agreements, Trump's positions on making it difficult for immigrant labor, these are things that are not historically supported by the Republican Party. So we'll see, does he really undo free trade and change what the Republican Party stands for Or does he end up falling in line, or can he not get these things through Congress, at which point, four years from now, he may look like a a presidential candidate who was not able to fulfill the promises that he made, and those voters that were mobilized for him might abandon him four years from now. So there's there's a lot that's got to happen to see if this is kind of a blip on the radar screen or, or really signifies a change in the way politics operates between the two political parties. It may not be the new reality at all. Donald Trump, what he said on the campaign trail, many of the things he said on the campaign trail are at odds with what the Republican Party has stood for in the past 30 or 40 years. So it's it's an open question whether Trump is reforming and changing the Republican Party or whether those Republicans in Congress uh, will resist any of those kinds of policy changes. So the presidential election wasn't the only election last night. And not only did Donald Trump win the presidency, the Republicans also took over both houses of Congress. How big of a deal will that be? 
Uh, I think it's potentially a, a huge deal. Uh, we've spent the last good part of the Obama administration with the Republicans in control of at least one of those chambers, and in the last two years, the, both of those chambers. And that's prevented a whole bunch of legislation from passing getting signed into law. With Republican control of the presidency in both chambers, in theory, they can follow through on all those things that they have promised in the past. They've promised repealing Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. They have the votes to do that now unless the Democrats filibuster in the Senate. They've talked about you know, major tax cuts. They have the votes to do that now. They've held up a Supreme Court nomination. They have the votes now to do that. So all sorts of things that haven't been happening now in theory can happen if the Republican Party can unify and stay organized. Now that's a bit of a big if. They certainly weren't all that unified or organized during the presidential election, but winning is a pretty strong catalyst for coming back together. And I think those in the Republican Party who opposed Trump are going to look at this result and say there's significant energy in the slice of the Republican Party that's the strongest supporters of Trump. We might not want to risk uh, opposing him in a legislative way because that could provoke a, a challenge in the primary from a more conservative Republican two years from now. So I, th I think we're likely to see quite a bit of action in Washington, policy action, going clearly in the direction that the Republican Party wants it to go in. So when Barack Obama was first elected in 2008, he had a democratically controlled Congress. And as a result, we got the Affordable Care Act. It's unlikely that the Affordable Care Act would have made it through if one of those chambers had been controlled by the Republican Party. So uh, these things happen, and it's, you know, it's under these circumstances where you get major legislative action. Thanks for listening to the podcast today, and don't forget to check back to unc.edu next week for another episode of Well Said. 